He is worthy. We're going to make our confession before we sit down, but um, I believe that God has a word for us that he is a good God. Everybody say a good God. And the darker it gets around us, the more we're going to have to know who God is. He is sovereign. He was sovereign in the garden, but his children failed and the enemy took over. That didn't change his sovereignty. It just says that now there is a fallen world out there and only Jesus, everybody say only Jesus, only Jesus can deliver us from the things that the enemy has available to all those that are walking out there in darkness. Just like Pastor Dan said, there are people that, that have nothing, that Jesus is the only answer for where they are. Amen. So we're going to talk about that today. First, let's say our confession. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives Yes, he does. Turn to your neighbor and say, he sure does. Hallelujah. You can sit down. Be seated. Hallelujah. Um, you know, I've just been praying lately because I hear so many things about God that God did that I don't believe God did. Uh, and I believe that Jesus came so we could know a good God, a God who is a giver of life and not destruction. And uh, the other day I was signing a paper for a dinner for our staff and it said, uh, I think it says, we're not responsible for acts of God. Well, you know, they're not saying acts of God like good acts of God. They're saying, uh, we agree that this facility will not be held liable for acts of God or public emergencies. And uh, I had another situation. I was at breakfast with someone, and they were telling me about an insurance situation that wasn't going to be covered because they considered the driver of the other car uh, because of the accident was caused by him, but he did not remember the accident and physically that there's something not right, but they don't know what it is. So the insurance company just calls it an act of God and won't pay. Well, you know, that would make you really want to get on God's bandwagon, wouldn't it? And uh, so I, when I first heard this scripture, uh, it's a scripture I heard in 1979 when I was working in Tulsa with my kids. I was a single mom, and at that time I was a secretary in the School of Medicine, which was new at ORU. It had only begun that year, and it begun late because uh, they had some situations with papers and government things that had to be finished to have a medical school and all the credentials and all those things. So they were behind. And there was a young lady in that class. And at that time in my life, I was struggling. I was a single mom in a strange place. The only people I knew were two, one other couple and their children. And uh, I felt like my life was over. Have any of you ever... It's, you know, this, I'm not going anywhere, and if I do go anywhere, the only way to go would be up, because where I am, to me, at that time with three kids, just seemed like the bottom, and as I was in my office one day, one of the medical students, a young gal came in, and she gave me this scripture, and at that time in my life, I had a grandmother who was a very, very strong Christian, but she had God as the taskmaster, you know, like if you girls don't treat your mother right, God is going to get you. 
And so God to me was a God who would get you, not not give to you, not not a God who would help you, but a God who was watching for you to make a mistake so that he could uh, punish you or discipline you for your mistakes. How many of you know when you were young, you made a lot of mistakes? I needed somebody on my side, not somebody, somebody who was going to tell me. I already knew I was doing wrong because I knew what it was to, you know, uh, bend the rules, you know, uh, you know, go do things that maybe God, that my mother and dad wouldn't want me to do. But, you know, God was really watching me. And so I didn't even think that God would ever be... Um, someone who would just love me for who I am. But that's exactly how God loves you. So much so that he gave Jesus, his only son, so that you could have everything that you have need of as a gift. Everybody say, as a gift. And so if you'll turn to James 1.17, this was the scripture that she gave me, and I know it's not really uh, probably one of the Christmas stories that you would hear, but every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And I want to look at four words there, good. You know, um, we all know the difference between good and bad. But God is a, a good God in that no matter what we do, he will never stop loving us. His love is unconditional. So he is good all the time. Everybody say, God is good all the time. And then the next word is perfect. And the word perfect means entirely without fault or defect, satisfying all requirements, faithfully reproducing the original. You know, that's what Jesus did. He was the perfect lamb of God. But he produced the original, which is God. He even said to Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And Jesus was good. He was a good gift. And it goes on, and then it says, in whom there is no variation. Variation means to exhibit or undergo change. The Bible says that God does not change in Malachi. God does not change. Everybody say, God does not change. But God did change things for us through the blood of Jesus. See, God didn't change who he is. Without God, the wrath of God is still on sin. So unless we have forgiveness of sin, then we're still in a position where evil has an opportunity against us. But if we know Jesus, then the blood, everybody say the blood, the blood of the lamb. Why did they call him a lamb? Because the sacrifices in the old covenant were all animal sacrifices, and the lamb had to be without blemish. And so the sacrificial lamb for the old covenant only covered sin, but it did not eradicate sin. But Jesus came. Everybody say, Jesus came. Jesus came to eradicate the penalty of sin against those who believe. Everybody say, thank God. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And I believe there's so many things happening in our world today that God's getting credit for that have nothing to do with God. He has sent a way of escape. Everybody say, escape from those things, from the evil. And we know if we read the word of God that it's going to get darker and darker. And I felt like what the Lord has been saying to me is that people of God need to have an assurance of who God is because things are going to happen and have happened where people say, well, where was God? 
because they don't have revelation. Everybody say revelation, which is what we talked about last month. When you have revelation, you know what the Spirit of God is saying, not what man is saying, and you're able to discern that was not God. That was not God. Uh, I just recently saw on the news where there's a young lady that I'm not sure what all the circumstances were, but she was driving too fast. Uh, I don't know whether what exactly, I didn't hear all the details, but drugs or alcohol, I believe, were the situation. She ran off the road, ran into a house, and killed two young children. And so a lot of people, that's, well, where was God? Where was God? Everybody say, there's evil. There's evil. There is a devil. If there's anything I regret from being raised in a denominational setting was nobody ever talked about the devil. There is a real devil. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so as we go on in this, I want to show you and just be assured, especially at this time of year when, um, you know, people aren't just flooding into church, especially young people. I received this from uh, Victory in Tulsa. And uh, Pastor Paul's doing a new proposed building thing to add, to reach out, especially to the younger generation. And these were the facts that he put in this. So I'm not, I haven't verified these, but I trust that he did. Uh, only two out of 10 Americans under 30 believe attending a church is important or worthwhile. Well, if you have a relationship with Jesus, it causes you to want to be with other believers. It causes you to want to get in in a place where you can be in agreement with people and be encouraged and edified. 35% of millennials have an anti-church stand stance, believing the church does more harm than good. Somebody's got a wrong impression of the things of God, or we're doing a miserable job. I, I believe it could be both, a little of both. But in this world, uh, young people, if I had known how good God was when I was in my 20s, I believe I would have made a lot of different decisions. I, I believe I would have decided that there is a future for me. <laughs> there is a hope for me. Uh, even with the disappointments and the troubles that I faced, that I made decisions that really separated me more from hearing the goodness of God than putting me in a position to hear the goodness of God. And so God gives good gifts. Everybody say that. God gives good gifts. He is the giver of good gifts. And if you look, you know, we all know John 3, 16, but I want to put it up there this morning. Uh, this will just encourage your faith. A lot of you, I'm sure, know this. But I don't know about you, but God reminds me constantly of things that uh, make my foundation secure, that give me assurance. Everybody say assurance. That even though things around me seem so different than what they used to be, that God is still the same God. And Jesus is the one who makes the difference for us where we live today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not. Everybody say, God did not. Say that again. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the God that we serve, not a God who condemns. Well, if we're created in his image and we're created to be like him, then we are a church that does not condemn. People who come in here, situations and circumstances, and believe me, we've had 
many circumstances. I remember a day when a man came in with his grocery shop, shopping cart and all his clothes in it and came to church because he lived on the street. I'm glad he felt like he could come to church because God is a good God and God has a plan for his life and it's a future and a hope. That's what the word of God says. And so as we look at who Jesus was, he was the representation of the God that we serve and God so loved that he does not condemn. Everybody say he does not condemn. How many of you know people who are not in church today because they feel condemned? You know why I believe that is? Now I'm going to get my preach on today because I live there. It's because there's people who take the word of God and make it a weapon formed against people instead of for people. And the reason they do that is because they won't talk about the devil. They will not say there is a devil who kills, steals, and destroys. Amen? And if you won't talk about him, then what did Jesus come to save? What did he come? Why did he come? Why did God send his only son to die on a cross if there wasn't something that was a great need for people? Everybody say people. Because he had two children that opened the door for all the evil that today is still in the earth. And the devil is still roaming about, seeking who he may destroy or devour, it says in the word of God. If you look at uh, the book of John, and I love the book of John, in verses 9 through 15, same chapter, this is Jesus' words to Nicodemus. I love this because Nicodemus, of course, Nicodemus is the one that was by the road, saw Jesus, climbed up in a tree to see him because he was too short. And uh, when, when Jesus called him down from the tree, this is Nicodemus answered him and said, he, Jesus told him, come down, I'm going to come to your house today. And, and so G Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And Jesus said, and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? What he's about to say is, you are teaching the word of God and you do not know who God is. You don't know who I am. You don't know the Son of God, the Messiah. And then he goes on and it says in verse 11, Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. A gift is not a gift till somebody receives it. You can give it, but until somebody takes it. If I, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So Jesus is revealing to him who he is. As of Moses, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of God, Son of Man, be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Thank God for eternal life. Amen. Thank God he made a way. In John chapter 1, it says the word was with God in the beginning. So Jesus was there. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. The, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. If you'll go on to verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. Made through who? Jesus. All things were made through Jesus. And without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. Let's go on. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Who was that? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. 
And then it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. If you read John 10 through 14, in the same, John 1, 10 through 14, it says, he was in the world, and the world made, and the world was made through, who? Made through who? Jesus. And the world did not know Jesus. Go on. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. He was a gift. But if we don't receive the gift, then we do not have the benefits of that gift. But as many as received him, turn to your neighbor and say, this is about you. If you know Jesus today, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, and so are you. If Jesus lives in you, you are full of grace and and truth. It's a gift. It's a gift that God has given to us. Um, then in John 10.10, 10, uh, I believe the greatest gift that God gave us is Jesus, but Jesus was the Word. And the Word of God is what gives us a foundation for what we will be able to stand in in the darkest of times. Uh, I just, I've experienced many people over time, even in our lives in this church, where the enemy, the things that have happened uh, because of human error, uh, oftentimes it is human error, or uh, the enemy has gotten in a situation and brought destruction. Uh, the thing that has held me is this scripture, John 10.10. 10. The thief, everybody say the thief. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, everybody say Jesus said. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. That is, not, that is not a God that has sent his son that we would live in destruction. This will help you today fight the fight that God has uh, a plan for your life that you're going to have to fight. Paul said, I fight the fight of faith. I believe Christmas is about presents, and I love to buy presents. I like to receive presents, but, uh, you know, when I was in Tulsa in that year by myself, um, I didn't have any money. I was a single mom. I had $35 a week was my budget for groceries uh, for three kids and me. Now, I know that I'm talking quite a few years ago, but uh, my salary was $4.25 an hour uh, at ORU, and so uh, it didn't come out right on paper you know, that I could do what I did. But during that time, you know, I, I had that God is a good God. He gives good gifts. And, and so as I begin to really meditate on that and that, that he wants me to have a life of abundance, everybody say abundance, it began to change the way I looked at God and it, it began to make me want to find out who is God really. Well, you know, at ORU, the theme song was, Something good is going to happen to you, happen to you this very day. Something good is going to happen to you, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth is passing your way. Well, I sat in those buildings. I'd go to those chapels, and that's the theme song. 
something good is going to happen to you. What if every day when we woke up, we realized something good is going to happen to me today? Because Jesus came. Everybody say, because Jesus came. You know, I, I believe that in the church we've, uh, we kind of lose that unless we really meditate on that often. And God will bring that song back to me because in that time, I began to look at my life and be able to see where the thief took over and where God took over. And there was a big difference. Even though I made mistakes, God would rescue me. Even though I would do wrong things, if I turned to him, he would help me. But I recognized who was bringing the temptation. Everybody say the temptation. And so as I began to begin to, to be able to separate that, it says abundantly is super abundance. This is from the Greek. Excessive, overflowing surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. Well, what I did when I was there was I began to really devour the Word of God. I would sit and I'd write scriptures over and over and over and over until those words got on the inside of me. And then what I meditated began to be the thing that I thought about the most. And so God is good. And so if this happens, that's not God. Everybody say, that's not God. That's not God. Lack is not God. If, if God's, and when God said to me, then give, be sure you give 10% of everything you have. I was able to do that because he was good. He was, he was not the thief. The enemy was the thief. So I began to be able to live the word because of who I believed God was. And in the body of Christ today, I would like to see a lot more victory than defeat. You know that old song that says, tell me the stories of Jesus I love to hear? Uh, one day I was meditating on that, and I felt like the Lord just dropped in my heart. I hear a lot more stories about what the devil's doing than what I'm doing. What do you think? I mean, I have to think about my life some days, and I'm talking about more of the things that are hindering me than the things that God could do to be helping me. Why is that? Because if your tank runs low on truth, then you begin to meditate what is not truth. And that's not who God is. Proverbs 4.20 says, My words, this word, is life and health. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. And then it goes on. And it's in, I think, did I put, I didn't put verse 21. Can you, yeah. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. And then it tells us why. It says, because they are life. Everybody say life. They are life, those find them, and see, they are life to those who find them, and health. Everybody say health. health. Health to all their flesh. Everybody say God gives good gifts. Does God make people sick if he gives his word to give them health? How hard is this? So it's a fight against the it's, sicknesses here. It's in the earth. And in some instances, we've lost loved ones due to sickness and disease. But... The word of God says it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when somebody's sick, if they want to be healed, some people, you know, they're, they'd want to give up. That's okay. Go to, listen, heaven's a lot better than where we're sitting right here today. So I'm not fighting anybody who wants to go to heaven. But if there's a fight, everybody say a fight, then God is good. And we begin to fight with the word of God and the truth of the word of God. Uh, I, I know Barb's here today, and it was a fight. It was a fight every day. 
But in that time that Danny had, his fight of faith was a great witness to physicians, nurses, people who don't know who God is. And when he went to heaven, he wasn't saying, oh, brother, God didn't do it right. He was shouting the victory the day he went to heaven because I was over there right before it. We know who God is. Everybody say, we know who God is. Jesus told us who the Lord was. In Hebrews 4, in Amplified, this is what it says about the word. The word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, the immortal spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and of the deepest parts of our nature. That's in the in the Amplified, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Isn't that, I mean, that's, that says the word, word will help us. Everybody say it's a gift. The word of God is a gift that God has given us. Matthew 11, 7, 11, this is what it says in the Amplified. If you then, evil as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts, to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, that we read that word perfect, entirely without fault or defect, give good and advantageous things to those who keep on asking him. Amen? Amen. Now, in my life, I don't always ask. (laughs) You know, sometimes I find myself telling God more than I'm asking him. How many of you found that? You know, a prayer is more telling God, you know, than asking God. But it says that if we ask and it's according to his will, he will do it. Everybody say, that's a good thing. (laughs) That's a good thing for us. That means that in any situation, the first thing we do is go to God because he's good. Everybody say he's good. Even when we make mistakes. Uh, One of the things that I learned when I was out there by myself at ORU, I got to make 4.25 an hour and was required to do aerobics because at ORU, part of their vision is that they're the whole man. So it's not just your uh, knowledge and what you know, even uh, being led by the Holy Spirit, there's another part to this and that's you stay physically fit. Everybody say physically fit. And so I had to, the, the, man, the doctor I worked for in the School of Medicine, even though as a, an employee you weren't required, he said, I require whoever works with me to do this. So I would have to go keep my points up for aerobics. And uh, one day I was on my way over to a, a park. I used to walk outside on a track. And uh, I don't know what I said, but I caught myself. I said, oh, Lord, there I did it again. How many of you have ever said, oh, Lord, I, there I did it I did it again. I mean, you just told me not to do that. And I know it's your word, and I did it again. And so I said, Lord, forgive me. And I I remember thinking, Lord, how many times can you forgive me? Oh, he says it's in there. A lot. A lot. Because I am good. And I want you to prosper. So ask me to forgive you. I'll take care of that. And, he, and I really felt assured that even though I would fail maybe again at it, it would still be okay. See, I didn't know that when I moved out there. All I knew was God's going to get me. He's already probably going to get me because of all I've done already. 
I didn't realize there was a way to go forward. I've, I was stuck because I didn't know the goodness of God leads to repentance. That's what the Word of God says. And it's God's goodness today. You need to know no matter what situation you're in, no matter how it's not working out, God is for you. And he is not against you because he is a good God. He is a good father. Um, I want to I read today from uh, J- James, again, back James chapter 1. This is where we started with that scripture. And, uh, you know, James uh, was the half-brother of Jesus. And, uh, you know, he, he was pretty firm in uh, what he would speak in the, in the book of James. You know, he, he didn't um, try to make everybody think it's okay if you do this because it isn't. Um, in James chapter 1, uh, verse 2, it talks about us counting all joy. But then it gets down to verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Everybody say, that's a good gift. How many of you need the wisdom of God? But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Do you know the biggest double-mindedness of believers is God good or isn't he? Is he or isn't he? That will settle the issue. Is what's happening to me the thief? Or is what's happening to me coming from the throne room of God? When I saw Luann and she was putting up these gifts, she said, you know, like gifts coming down from heaven. Heaven's gifts are good. We read that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. I memorized that one because I needed it. It's good to know the word of God because it brings truth. Then it goes on down. It says, loving God under trials in my Bible. Verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Everybody say temptation. Temptation. Now, this is really important. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Everybody say, he's not the tempter. The tempter is the devil. You know, it says in scripture that in some translations, Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. It's, he was tempted by the, was he not tempted by the enemy? But he passed the test because he knew who God was. And because he knew God was good, all those things the devil tempted him with that would have been a benefit to him, he did not need because he knew his father would provide them when he needed them. Therefore, he didn't take the temptation. This will stop a lot of people from getting into poverty. Because oftentimes, people think God's withholding things from them, whatever it might be, and causes lack in their life. God knows when we can handle it. Everybody say, God knows when we can handle it. So there's things in our life that are withheld by God for our protection. But the one who withholds for lack is the tempter, is the devil. Because God provides everything that we have need of. 
And then it goes on and it says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived. This is the verse right before every good and perfect gift. What it's trying to do, James is trying to say is, the tempter is not God. He gives good gifts. There is an enemy that will try to entice us, that will try to pull us. I love the Message Bible, and I, I put it on my phone, but you know how that is with me and my phone. It may not be there anymore because sometimes it disappears. Yes, it's gone, but I'll get it right back. I don't know how to make this work right, so it stays there. I took a picture, but that didn't do so good either. <laughs> I try everything. They, they try to help me, my kids. They do. And I don't even mind being, you know, helped. It's fine with me. Just fix it. But this is what it says. Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. How many of you have ever thought, oh, this is a trick? You know, this is just a C. You know, I'm probably going through this sickness so that, so that uh, I'll get stronger in God. Everybody say, that's a lie. That is from the pit of hell. This author of sickness and disease is the devil. That's why Jesus died to eradicate what the devil was doing. So don't say that. Don't disappear here. Stay. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. Impervious means he can't. It can't get through to him. Evil cannot attach itself in any way or attack the spirit of God. The temptate God is uh, the temptation to give in. This is good. Listen, to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. This message Bible really puts it, I mean, if you can't get that, then something's wrong. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby, sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. Did all of you get that? The message kind of brings it to something that you can identify with. So, my dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God. There is nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us, listen to this, he brought us to life using the true word, Jesus Showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Amen. 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 Did you get that? Yes. Everybody say he's a good God. He's a good God. So when things happen that people want to blame on God, um, you know, actually on this, I see it was on the 29th of February or of November. This was uh, Brother Copeland. He said, um, well, brother, in the end, I'm sure you'll see the financial problems are actually a blessing in disguise. How many of you have ever thought your, bless your blessing was lack of finances? <laughs> have you ever heard anyone say to someone who's hurting financially, have you heard them say that? This is, this is a really going to turn out to be a blessing in disguise. Chances are you have. It's a popular idea. idea. The problem is it's a lie used by the devil to keep believers down. See, if you don't know who God is, then you will believe the lie. But we read it. He was full of grace and 
truth. So we have to know the truth. Um, it says the curse is meant to destroy, not to teach people a lesson. Not to make them more spiritual, but to destroy them. Everybody say, that's the enemy's job. Because doesn't it say the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Um, I just want to close today with uh, this again. Only two out of ten Americans believe under 30 attending a church is important or worthwhile. How many of you know that that two out of ten will have an opportunity to see God fulfill the desire of the Lord in their life? The other eight are going to live believing a lie. Because if you don't have Jesus, you'll believe the lie. The thing that keeps you in truth is what you know in your heart, not what somebody's told you in your head. 35% of all millennials have an anti-church stance, believing the church does more harm than good. I believe that those figures may increase, but we are the church. We are the ones that say our God is a good God, and he has a gift, and that gift is Jesus, and there's a reason for it. it thank God for the story of Jesus that you'll hear some at Christmas you know, he was a baby, he was born in a manger, but the truth is, he came to deliver, to save, and to heal, and he's power, and because he came in a stable as a sacrifice, we have the victory, amen? Let's stand up today. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he came on purpose with a destiny, with the destiny that he would have that would provide for us the victory. And I pray today for the, the church that's here this morning. Um, I, I just feel like in the church there's a lot of uh, living below the level that God wants us to live. And a lot of it is because of condemnation and guilt that people have, that the enemy's holding them captive because they believe, they know they're wrong. They know they're wrong, but they don't know that in an instant that that can be turned around for good because God does work everything to, for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Would you bow your heads today? Maybe you're here today and you've known Jesus, but you've walked away from that destiny that God had for you because of circumstances and situations, because of guilt and condemnation. God wants to set you free today. There are those maybe that are here today that uh, you've never really known that there was a need to receive what Jesus did for you. It's a gift. The Bible says it's very easy to receive. We just believe with our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And in our hearts, a change takes place. The Spirit of God takes a place in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit that then enables you to be who God called you to be. Maybe you've never received that gift. Maybe you've had all kinds of knowledge about who Jesus is, but you've never said, Jesus, I need you. I need you to be my Savior, my Lord, to deliver me from evil. If that's you, for either one of those things, would you lift your hand? Because I want to pray for you today before we leave. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Would you come down here with me real quickly? We're going to pray. Everybody just give them a hand. If there's anybody else, this is your opportunity to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
we're glad you're here too. I saw you lifted your hand. We're going to pray, and Jesus is going to be the Lord of your life, okay? Okay, okay. But did somebody else? Come on over. Come over here. Isaiah. God knows the things that have happened in your life. But that doesn't have a thing to do with your future, okay? This is forward day, okay? This is about a good God for both of you, for both of you. A new day, okay? Okay. What's your name? William. Carly. Carly. <laughs> Denise. Tiffany. Isaiah. Let's pray. Stretch your hands out. Would somebody put your hand on her? Kelly, come up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for these that are here this morning. We thank you for change and new direction because with you all things are possible, even though they look impossible. In Jesus' name, let's say this together. Everybody up here, you just can repeat after me. And this is where you receive the gift that God has given you. Whatever it is today, even if you've known Jesus and walked away, let's say this. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he loved me at Calvary and for his blood that was shed for me. I receive today forgiveness of my sins. I thank you, Jesus, that you love me enough to come to deliver me, to save me, and to heal me. I want to follow you. Teach me, lead me in the way that I should go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love you. Just stay here for a second. I'm just going to... I want us to make this confession before we go. How many of you know that uh, it would be to your benefit to get up in the morning and say, my God is a good God? Amen. To change our confession. And then, you know, I've found this in my life. When, I, when I'm meditating on that, I'm ready for whoever God sends my way that day. If I'm thinking about all the things that aren't going right instead of the things that are good in my life, I'm not in the place I need to be for God to really drop in my heart what I need to do. So I believe he wants us to be those creatures that he's put on the earth to reveal his glory. Amen. Let's say this. I am a child of God. I am called for this time in the earth. The glory of God resides in me. He is a good God. Therefore, I walk with the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the kindness of the one I serve. In this season, I will be a light. I will be a good and perfect gift. No variations, troubles will override the love of God that is in me. I will be the vessel I need to be to show that he is good. And he's good all the time. Amen. Amen. Give God praise. Go and be blessed. We'll see you Wednesday night. Yeah.